But when I'm hitting the streets talking to bar managers and saying, hey, we'd love you for you to put us on tap, because we didn't do any bottling. It was only draft. And so the education process was huge. I mean, you'd get questions like, well, is this in your basement or how, you know, how do you do this? Like, no, we have it. We actually have a, a real brewer. You can come and see it if you want. Um, Welcome to Tap the Table. I'm Ryan Hannigan. My co-host over here is Matthew Schnipper from Side Dish. Uh, our guest this week hail from Bristol Brewing, where we are recording. Uh, we have Mike and Amanda Bristol. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, Glad thanks to for be having here. us. Uh, quick both. pause for sponsors. What? Okay. Yeah, okay. All right, quick pause. Uh, got to pay the bills, thank, right? Yeah, we've got <laughs> uh, downtown Colorado Springs, uh, the Ute at City Rock, and Pikes Peak State College. Sweet. Lots this week. Yeah. Well, so uh, we'll just jump into this. Yeah. Um, you're on the uh, Victorian hot seats over here. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And the you poured us beer. Bring it on. Is it feels like you, you guys are in our living room because all of these chairs have been in our living room at one point or another. And, and then, you have a Red Rocket sign in your living room. And then we retire them to no, the brewery. I wish we did. <laughs> you should. I wish we did. We need to get you a Red Rocket sign for your living room. Uh, <laughs> what are we drinking, by the way? You poured us a really delicious beer. Will you talk about that first? Yeah, that's uh, it's a Belgian Saison that we did uh, a few years ago. Um, we figured we might as well bring out something that we're not exactly known for. And, um, so we've, we brought out three Belgian style beers. I'm a big fan of Belgian style beers, the tradition, the, the technique, the, the love. Um, so, uh, that's why we, we brought these out to start with, and then we'll see where it goes from here. You yeah. should be known for Belgians. This is really, really good. Yeah. This is a great beer. And they're, I, they're definitely labor, labors of love because as... You guys know from the industry, they're not exactly the hottest commodity these days, uh, you know, with IPAs and hazies and all that stuff. But um, but we just love doing like a really great traditional style of beer and really diving into it. And I mean, these are re-fermented in the bottle, just like the Belgians do. They're in 750 milliliter bottles, cork finish. I mean, it's it's ridiculous how much work it is. And for how little it sells and we still love doing it and we're going to keep doing it. <laughs> I think that's the hard thing with, with beer and produ production of beer, especially post COVID is that everyone wants it sooner as quick as possible. So people are using the Kaveki yeast. They're using things to, to speed up the process. And this is a sort of hearkening back to the old days where it was this more natural process yeah. and letting the earth do the work for you essentially yeah, the yeast is running the show, and, and we're, we're sort of just trying to keep it happy. You yeah, know, as, so. as the beer experts, can you tell me why I'm getting this really lovely honey aroma and honey flavor? And there's not honey in there. It's from the yeast, basically. It's from the yeast. It's a traditional Saison yeast uh, from Belgium, and, and that, that definitely brings out that honey, a little bit of spice. I mean, it's, it's one of those beers that doesn't have any non-traditional ingredients in it. There is no spice. There's no flower mm. petals. There's no, you know anything honey um but it's yeah it's it's just they're fun beers to do yeah now if someone's listening to this and thinking i want to drink that i'm guessing they can't have this <laughs> we one. do have bottles of the saison here in the pub you do yes okay. so we we do we do have that and uh, so two of the three beers that we that we brought out now we, are available one is is sold out so okay good to know all right ryan you've got first i got first deal questions, questions. Yeah. so Biggest question, you know, this year is your 30th anniversary, which is a huge milestone for any brewery. Um, you look at breweries across the U.S. are, are closing after a couple of years or struggle, just struggling, and to make it 30 years is a 
you know, huge accomplishment. What, so the question is, what has changed in like your view of owning a brewery versus when you opened up on Forge Road? How has your perspective on owning a brewery changed? <laughs> That's a great question. Probably the better question is what hasn't changed, but <laughs> no. That's the flip side of it. No, we, uh, I mean, I can start, but I mean, I'm sure Amanda will have uh, opinions too. But I think the one thing that hasn't changed, maybe I'll start there. The one thing that haven't changed is still the love of beer and and the the sort of this idea that we can make these traditional beers that from around the world and um and as you guys know and we get knocked for it sometimes we're we we're very i'm a very traditionalist when it comes to beers i mean i don't uh we do stuff that's on the fringes certainly but but it's not my my go-to beers are always a really well-crafted style of a traditional beer um, it's not putting breakfast cereal in, in a beer. It's not, uh, yeah, I know, I know. Brian's favorite. Bring me fruity pebbles. So, uh, and, and it's not to Which say okay. that we're not, we're not trying to, yeah, nothing wrong with fruity pebble beer. Actually, true. I'm going to raise my hand and say, I don't want to drink a fruity pebble beer. I'll go on record for it. <laughs> yeah. I'm good. Um, I'm good without that. And you know, sometimes we get, we, we've, we've gotten knocked over the years that, you know, cause we don't follow every little trend that, that goes, but anyway, so the, getting a little off track but maybe that's why you're around after 30 years though you didn't follow every little track. i mean i hope so i mean yeah. i hope that's that's part of the reason well that is one thing that hasn't changed over the years actually is because when when we first started uh well it wasn't right when we first started but maybe a couple years in fruit beers became really really big and i just remember mike being like i'm not brewing a fruit beer we're not doing <laughs> that you know uh, that's not real beer, and they were really popular for a while. Raspberry wheat, and you know a lot of different kinds like that, which are like nothing compared to what's happening today. But um, you know, I don't know. I would say that even from our, you know, the days when we were together and we were home brewing and dumpster diving for Rolsch bottles to you know bottle the beer, and and we would go to this. Um, this bar in St. Augustine, Florida that specialized in imported beer, which was really cool back then, you know. And, but I think... This would have been 1992. Yeah. Yeah. And I think one of the things was we really, really did value the heritage. That was just so huge for us. And, um, and like you said, all over the world, not just England, you know, not just Germany or whatever, but Belgium, you know, all the different styles that have come up from the different areas and the different styles, you know, it's just, um, we just loved being a part of that. We loved trying these things that, and, and of course you have to remember too that we were coming out of, you know, in college, I went to University of Georgia, it was Miller Lite. If you could get Coors Light, it was so exciting because Coors was a Colorado <laughs> beer, you know. And, you know, so, this world just opened up, um, and and we started with, of course, those imports at this place. But but then, of course, craft came along, and we were sold. <laughs> I'm, I'm very interested in those early years too. Like your, your it's your 30th anniversary. If I if I'm correct, you're the second oldest brewery, right behind Phantom, right? Yeah. And I know Joe, months, we talked about Judge Baldwin's sort of predated that a little, but they were they were using extracts or whatever. They've, and, they've been in and out. They they really yeah. haven't been. Consistent. It's really like that's the hardest part. Historically, about it. we would say it's Phantom then Bristol. A few months apart. Well, actually, or, about uh, six months uh, apart. The yeah. Pikes Peak Brewery, the the original, the original Pikes Peak Brewery, was they were before Phantom, weren't they, Mike? Were they? Yeah, they started and then they 
Because Phantom Strike. I think when they went out of business, maybe ninety. Eight, maybe. Or? I'd have I to look. So. I've got a list yeah. of all the all the ones that yeah. have opened and closed since so 1990. Do you really? I would I love to see that. That would be so fun. And it's got everything from I mean, not that from Arctic to yeah. uh, you know short-lived ones like 1876 that was only around for four months. There was a place called you know, Hops on Academy in the early That's days. That's right. Yeah. Yep. That um, was a chain. Yeah. And then the storm, Back the one alley. that was storm brewed, the beer that was. Um, Oh yeah, downtown. Oh, Thunder Ridge. Thunder Ridge. Thunder Ridge, Thunder Ridge. Yeah. But they couldn't it, do where, it. They it's were... where the mansion is now. Yeah. I just yeah. remember their big tagline was "Storm Brewed" because you they would still... get uh, their fermenters were on the roof or something. Do you remember? I think that? they were trying to do water catchment, but I don't. I thought it didn't work. I thought they got like the city wouldn't let them do it. They they were only around for eleven months. Okay. Uh, if that gives you any idea about all of that, and then it turned into Rum Bay, Rum Bay after, after okay. that yeah. point. Well, how about this? Bristol is the second oldest continuous brewery <laughs> in <Holy laughs> Springs currently operating. Yes. Yes. And I'm really Cheers. curious about the, like, at that era, what this scene was like. Like, we know it today with 30-something breweries and all these things we just talked about, all these trends have come and gone. But what's happening in 93 in Colorado Springs when you get here? Yeah. The, interestingly, when we chose Colorado Springs, uh, we were still living in Florida. I grew up in Fort Collins, so obviously we were familiar with kind of the Colorado scene. Um, and so we were actually, I remember kind of being bummed out that when I heard that this Pikes Peak Brewing, which is not the same Pikes Peak Brewing now, but um, I'm like, oh, you know, somebody beat us to the punch, right? And, and then I'm like, well, that doesn't, I mean, that we can still do this, the right? Town. And, and the <laughs> thing, the interesting thing is um, we, we started with a totally different model than Phantom too. So we started as a package. I mean, it was all draft. There was no food, no, back then you didn't have tasting rooms. You couldn't come and hang out. Uh, and, and drink beer at the brewery. Um, I mean, you could, Although but it wasn't a did thing. Hang out at our and, little yeah. industrial. So the biggest thing I think was education. You know, so so where Phantom had the restaurant to bring people in, which was great. It was great for us that people were getting exposed to craft beer in this town through Phantom. I mean, that was wonderful. That was a huge asset. Mm -hmm. But when I'm hitting the streets talking to bar managers. And saying, "Hey, we'd love you for you to put us on tap because we didn't do any bottling; it was only draft." And so the education process was huge. I mean, you'd get questions like, "Well, is this in your basement, or how you know how do you do this?" I'm like, didn't "No, we have it. We actually have a, a real brewery. You can come and see it if you want." I feel like it was um, the bar manager at the Ritz specifically that literally asked you that. I don't remember which what it was. So it was not only sort of this education of. What do you mean you're a brewery? Because to that at that point, a brewery was Coors, Anheuser Busch. You know, New guys. Belgium had started, but they weren't. I don't think New Belgium was even available in Colorado Springs back then. Hmm. Um, if they were, they were very, very newly available. Um, so part of it was just this idea that yes, this is a thing. Like you can make, you can start a brewery on a smaller scale, and you don't have to go national, and you can do it locally. And and it's it's happened in Europe for a long time. And, and that was part of the selling point was we believe in local beer. And then the, just the education on the style, too. I mean, um, Red Rocket, we started with Laughing Lab and Red Rocket. And, you know, Red Rocket was just too hoppy for most people, you know. And, and it, was a, so it was a pale ale. Thinking about that right. today, you're like, yeah. what? Yeah. <laughs> well, I would be behind the, the, our little counter that I was telling you that Mike's cousins and his brother built, you know, for us to have at the original brewery and to sell growlers because yeah, that's all I was that was the was only way to get growlers. the beer other than at a restaurant or a bar selling growlers and also um 
sample, giving away samples, but they could be pint-sized. So people would come in for these samples, a pint of beer that was just a sample. Mostly the people but, that worked in the same industrial yeah, part. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> but when they, it's a free pint of beer. That's great. But when, <laughs> we, when they would taste Laughing Lab and Red Rocket, they would literally go, oh, that's bitter, you know, to Red, about Red Rocket. And I'd be like, well, because we had agreed we weren't going to use the word bitter. We were going to say, well, it's just sort of got a little kick to it. Um, and we were like trying so hard to, and we had like, uh, we had like a newspaper clipping taped to the bar there saying that, that was beer is good for you. And it was like some article that had appeared in some newspaper. And I mean, we were just trying to kind of, well, like, like Mike says, educate and just like say, this is not bitter. This is just a different flavor than you're used to. That's the hops you're tasting. You know, I mean, it was just, it was yeah. really interesting. And, and Master Ram, it's an amber, right? Or no, is it's, it a, a, it's a pale ale. It's a pale ale. It was, yeah. yeah. it was patterned after, it was patterned after um, uh, Sierra Nevada, Nevada pale ale, uh, Anchor, uh, Liberty. That, no, not Liberty. Liberty was a little hoppier. Um, but just but, the idea of a hoppy pale ale. Right. Yeah. People are used to the hops. Or not even thinking the hops are there, right? Uh, with yeah. the macro and no, stuff. and people that didn't know the style, which was nobody... most of them thought it was, it meant that it was a light beer because it was pale. It was a pale ale, ah, and so, and then so they there get was this all of yeah, amber, lots of confusion. Yeah. You know, <laughs> garnet ruby red almost color, and they're like, what and, is and nobody this? knew what a Scottish <laughs> ale was either. So Laughing Lab was a weird deal, and even craft brewers weren't doing uh, Scottish ales. So that was an odd one, and it was darker in color, so it scared people. Um, so it was just a matter of education. I mean, we knew that the only way this was going to work is to literally get people to taste the beer one person at a time. And I can't tell you how many hours I spent, you know, going up and down Tejon after we did get those first few tap lines and buying people beers, talking to them, um, just to get them to try the beer. And, uh, that, you know, and as an industry, that's what was happening, um, everywhere. Uh, you know, uh, outside of, in other markets as well, but. What was uh, the flagship lineup? What did you open with and did beers come on? Or you opened with like five or six? No, oh, Red Rocket and Laughing Lamb. Rocket Those and Those are the only two, And yeah. we liked Red Rocket the best between the two because we were, we like hops, right? And we were like, oh, Red Rocket's going to take off. It's going to be the one. But Laughing Lab just, just took off. And it was, I think, because it's dark, but it's, it just, it's very um, smooth and people just, it appealed to their palates more because people just weren't ready for hops. I think it's the dog label. People just love well, dogs. Well, they're well, that. They'll buy it the first time for the dog, but right. then they're, if they don't like it, they're not going to keep but buying those, it. But all those GAB, GABF medals were not for the label. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> yeah. So, no, when did, like, you have so many beers now that are go tos for so many people that live in this city, like, you know, Beehive, Warlock. Um, when did those next ones come on? I'm just curious how your flagship lineup grew. It was that steady every couple of years you'd had one or did you have a year where you just popped on a bunch and went with it? Uh, it wasn't, I wouldn't say it was very planned. It was sort of like, oh, you know what'd be fun is to do this. Let's well, do this. And, it was like we, uh, we started with yeah. Beehive as a, as a seasonal beer, well, actually. Actually, it was Warlock. Sorry. No, I'm saying that the, the start of Beehive was as a seasonal oh. beer. And then it was very well received, so we didn't pull it at the end of the summer. Right. We said, okay, okay this that's is how now a lot of places will do this it. This is now a flagship. Yeah. Uh, Warlock yeah. was always designed as a seasonal, and it stayed a seasonal. Um, and, and Warlock was uh, winter of 1995, I believe. So it's been around for a long time. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was probably even before Christmas. 
or did was it after the year turned? But yeah, that was our very first like seasonal beer because we were really in you know again that's the way that you see it around the world you know seasonal drinking you know and uh, totally it was really exciting to 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 bring Warlock out and to say, it was also damn frightening. Um, I mean, you're, you're at 1995, and we're brewing an oatmeal stout that you can't see through. It's dark. It's rich. It's not Guinness. Right. It's bigger, rounder, yeah. bolder. And, I mean, I, I specifically remember being in the brewery, and we worked long hours back then. And I don't know what crazy time at night it was, but I was finishing up. I'm turning the lights off, and I look at this fermenter that has 525 gallons of Winter Warlock in it. And I just remember thinking, God, I hope I'm not the only one that likes this. <laughs> because I didn't know if it would sell or not. I mean, it was a leap of faith that, that, it, that people would, would get into it. And, and as it's turned out, it's been a fantastic, I mean, it's, it's, I don't know what you'd call it. It's not a flagship, but it is well-received year after year. It's a year. fan favorite is what yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. It's an iconic. Beer. That sort of leads me to my next question. So, you know, you guys now, Bristol now, is, cons you know, you're the old, you're the elder statesman of the Colorado Springs <laughs> Thank Brewing. Thank you for changing old to elder. <laughs> the old el elder statesman of the Colorado <laughs> Springs Brewing industry. But was there a point in your early years where you realized, oh, this is actually going to work? Oh, yeah, yeah. Um so when you when you ask that first question, sort of what perspective has changed, I think that's one of the things that's changed. I mean, we started, and um, I was 29, she was 28. We had left good jobs. Um, well, I actually kept mine. So well, you we worked freelance, yeah. <laughs> but um, and we just thought, you know what? Let's just let's just give this a go, and if we can make a living. Um, and, and keep this thing rolling for four or five years, and it'll be a great adventure, you know? And uh, so that certainly, that perspective has changed over the years. Um, now we look at it when we're investing in equipment or we're investing in, in people or spaces like this. I mean, we're, we're, we try to think of the long-term, you know, generational almost. Um, so uh, that, that has been a, a, a big shift. Uh, two, one thing, I think all of us have an empty glass now. Yeah, Should we start on beer two? Yeah, thank you. And, yeah, uh, keep talking. I'm going to yeah. open this. And to, by the way, you mentioned the space we're in. So we are at Ivy Wild right now. We're right inside the front door. Yeah, we're, we're in the lab lounge. The lab That's lounge. Right. Okay. So if you want to see where we are and have a beer here sometime, it's open to the public. Yes. And Join us anytime. Place to hang out. <laughs> yeah. Every time I come through here, there's, there's usually a bunch of people in here because it's a comfy spot. Yeah. Like it's not the 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 tap room itself is really comfortable, yeah. but it's more of a bar and, and seating and then Wildcats just seating. And this is more like a loungy, bougie, almost dark, well, dimly private, lit, yeah. nice more sort cozy of private. In yeah. Here. It's, yeah. It's almost like your grandfather's den type area. Yeah. <laughs> uh, beer signs on the wall. You know, the whole shebang. But good point. Yeah. Yeah. And while we're talking about Ivy Wild too, um, we were gonna ask about, you know, before when you were a brew pub versus now when you have a food component. What's that like? How has that changed things for Bristol having the, I mean, now you have the Spark barbecue truck, but um, other considerations now that you have to dabble in food as we <laughs> well, actually just, have a cheese board well, in front of us? Well, it's not as fun. It just, it just makes, <laughs> not as fun. It makes it more complicated. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, I think, I think for us, our, our business is 
Really, it's almost three businesses. I mean, we view it as three businesses under one. Just the Bristol part. Now, you add Ivy Wild, it's multiple layers. But so we have, I mean, brewing at, at, at its core is is a production operation. It's a manufacturing, I mean, it's a glorious manufacturing process, but it's it's still that. So that that's sort of the core of what we do and the distribution and the bottles and cans and draft uh, throughout the state. And that's kind of one business. And then the pub is a totally different beast um, as far as the, the kind of talent that you need for your employees are different. The um, it, It's a wonderful compliment because it gives people an opportunity to to sort of, uh, I think the way Amanda used to say it, which I love, was is sort of uh, um, have the beer in its own habitat or different variations of oh, that. Oh, beer um, in its, enjoying a beer in its natural natural habitat. habitat yeah. yeah. Um, so it, it, it certainly is. They work together, and then the, the Spark Barbecue is is just sort of a an extension of that. I mean, we're we're believers in in beer brings people together, and beer is not really a solitary thing. It's kind of people celebrating or talking or, you know, it, the reason we don't have TVs in here and just try to get people to kind of sit around, have a beer and communicate with each other. And, uh, and we felt like barbecue is a little bit of an extension of that. It's a, it's generally something that's shared. It's, it's, you think about your backyard barbecue and everybody gathering around and grabbing the ribs and that kind of stuff. Um, that, and then, I mean, selfishly, I love barbecue and <laughs> interestingly I can't, I can't disagree <laughs> and, and interestingly barbecue has some common i mean as a food uh as as a something that you're making it also requires a lot of patience a lot of attention to detail the temperatures i mean there's there's actually a few, quite a few crossovers you know i mean nothing we do on the beer side is instantaneous and when you're doing barbecue you don't just say oh we're we're running out. Let's do another brisket for ne the next hour, right? I mean, you're you're really making a commitment. So right. I think um, you were about to say that it was a food group, and I agree. By the way, what are we drinking this time? This is the Belgian Double. Uh, so we brewed this. The uh, first time we brewed this was actually in celebration of our ten thousandth, no, six thousandth batch. Yes, batch it's six thousand. B six thousand. And that, but that's this is not that version of it. Um, but again, it's just. Same sort of thing, traditional Belgian. Um, it's got more totally different uh, flavors. Though, yeah, like, more yeah, caramel, different yeast than deeper. the saison. Um, cheers, by the way. Cheers. Bottle conditioned again. So, um, cheers. High five. Cheers. Yeah. So, speaking of beer, one of the the tough things, you know, just for a brewery is the raw ingredients. How has uh, how have the the Bristol beers changed over the last thirty years? Just due to hops, malt, uh, different brewing systems, like what have you had to, to to sort of tweak and deal with in terms of all that? Oh yeah, that's. I mean, that's sort of an ongoing um, challenge, really. I mean, I like I joke about it, but um, you know, when you compare us with like winemakers, for instance, you know, I mean. It's totally fine for a winemaker to say, "Oh, it wasn't a great year," or "This was a great year," but as a beer maker, you don't, you can't do that. You can't say, "Oh, I'm sorry, this year the Laughing Lab's just not quite as good as it was last year," but we're still dealing the with rain. this. Please still buy it, right? We're still dealing with the same challenges with the raw materials, right? I mean, we're still, 
our barley is still coming out of the ground just like grapes and it comes out better some years based on rain and temperatures and i mean there's it's a whole science to it um but we have to adjust based on what we're getting in order to make the same product each time um and so uh that you know year to year the barley is probably the biggest the biggest one um we're fortunate that uh that we have a, 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 a really nice brew system that we can make those modifications and changes to. Um, you know, there have been a couple of years that have been pretty rough on the, on the barley thing. We also um, have the advantage a little bit of, we're not a, 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 what I wouldn't, we're not a large player in the barley industry. I mean, we're not New Belgium, we're not Sam Adams, um, but we do have enough volume that we can, uh, we can sort of define our specifications and get, um, once we dial it in, we know we're gonna get the same the same lot every time. So it's not like just calling up and you're gonna get whatever. So that's kind of nice. Uh, same with hops, we're, we're able to select particular hops and, and things like that. So there are some advantages to having a little bit of scale. Um, in, in terms of brew systems, what size did you have at Forge? Would you, what did you start out on? Well, interestingly, we started out um, with a 20 hectoliter system, which is 17 barrels. And it's the system that we used until we moved here in 2013. It's the one you had across the street on table. Now, we, it was highly <laughs> modified by the time it moved over there. Um, we, had, we, had, uh, what, we had pimped it out a little bit, I guess I could say. You know? um, and it was a, we had made it a lot more efficient. Um, but it was the same, yeah, the same system. And in our last episode, we, we had chatted with Joe Coleman, and he, <laughs> he alluded to some stories of, of you trying to bring in equipment into that building. Um, did you have any challenge? Can you tell us some stories of challenges with, uh, I, I think, oh, I the think biggest... there might have been like uh, holes in the roof or. Oh, yeah, that was actually, um, that was when we were moving over here. So that was a huge, that was a, I look back and I think, man, I don't think I ever want to try to do that again. But to take a brewery that was putting out close to 10,000 barrels a year over there and then bring it over here um as far as some of the equipment came over some was new um but the one piece one of the things that we did bring over was uh the grain silo and the grain silo That's what it was. was being lifted by the crane <laughs> to load up to come over here and right as it's swinging over the roof of the building the the operator had not set his I don't, I don't know exactly what happened, but literally <laughs> the par the parking lot that he was set on, it was a hot day and it just sunk. It sunk and the whole thing went into the roof. So it was, it was an inadvertent hole in the roof. Yes. <laughs> well, well, there's also a, 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 a different story, which is the, the intentional hole in the roof too. Okay. So that, that might've was, been the one that we, that Joe was talking that about. That might've been the one he was talking about. So, um, when we, we were maxed out over there when we were building this place and so I thought, well, I want to I wanna increase our capacity over there. So what I did is I ended up buying two fermenters that were ridiculously large for that system that I knew were going to come over here. We eventually moved them over here. In fact, they're still out there. Um, but the roof wouldn't handle it, so we cut out a section of the roof and dropped them in with crane. I still have pictures of this. I mean, these crane guys... Well, these crane guys were good. The other crane guys, I questioned, but these guys, I mean, I they know how the insurance call went. Like, who fields that? Like, I'm sorry, could you say that? What happened yeah. again? Yeah. You yeah. dropped a what? The what? Yeah. Like, 
<laughs> Luckily, we weren't un- in production because it, it, it happened right over the bottling line. <laughs> so luckily, there was nobody working in there. Um, but, but we were watching from over here. Me and I think Matt Ward, who you know, you knew Matt. Yeah. We were kind of like, what? <laughs> that doesn't look What's good. What's happening? That doesn't look good. good. <laughs> like, let's go home early today. Yeah. Let's leave <laughs> yeah. now. I'm like, so, oh. So we drop these fermenters in, and then we build this little alcove over it's them. like a dog house yeah. or something <laughs> over it um so we, we so when you're in the brewery you see these fermenters but you only see to the roof level and then they go up higher than that um that's and like that, every other major and, brewery. and there's yeah certainly uh a lot of breweries do similar things but they design it that way they don't come right. in after the fact and say let's just cut a hole in the, in the roof but we knew it was only going to be for nine months so it didn't make sense to to put a big structural rack and everything, and we just dropped them in, set them on the ground, and um, and went from there. So <laughs> just called it good. Yeah. All right. Sure. We take a quick sponsor break. Sure. All right. Great. Downtown Colorado Springs, home of the largest concentration of independent restaurants in Southern Colorado, is proud to sponsor Tap and Table and support the passionate individuals who make the food and beverage industry a cultural highlight in our lives. With more than 140 restaurants, cafes, bars, breweries, and coffee shops within its boundaries, downtown Colorado Springs has the perfect something to satisfy any craving. Find a complete list of where to dine and drink at downtowncs.com. I'm personally thrilled to have the Ute Restaurant sponsor this episode of Tap and Table. Why? Because I'm a member at City Rock Climbing Gym, where the Ute is located. I love that the Ute has healthy house-made items like salads, wraps, and two of my personal favorites, the Thai peanut Buddha bowl and a turmeric quinoa black bean bowl. There's also hearty pastas, flatbread pizzas, Cuban sliders, and even a great customizable ramen bowl. The Ute also hosts over 50 of the finest craft beers on a constantly rotating menu. Me. I'm always working my way through the IPAs for brands like Cerebral and Outer Range. I dig that I can show up at the bar with climbing chalks still on my clothes because of the casual atmosphere. It's a comfortable space, rich with character, even kid-friendly, and you don't have to climb to enjoy the eatery. Check out the Ute Restaurant inside City Rock at 21 North Nevada Avenue next time you're downtown. They're open from 4 to 10 p.m. Mondays through Fridays. Plus, you just might see me there. On Saturday, March 9th, join Pikes Peak State College in the Broadmoor's Cheyenne Lodge for the 2024 Chef Henry Trujillo Memorial Scholarship Soiree. This experience takes you across the decades of Chef Trujillo's life to delight your palate, support future culinary artists, and experience gourmet flavors from regional food producers paired with local beers and Colorado wines. Attend, cherish, and uplift. We're honoring Chef Trujillo's spirit, so be part of it. Tickets are $75. You can RSVP through the link in the show notes or head to pikespeak.edu slash Trujillo. That's T-R-U-J-I-L-L-O. See you there. And we're back. That was so quick. (laughs) Magic Um, of editing. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to work that out. Well done. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, it wasn't planned. It just happened. Naturally. Um, Ryan, do you have another question? So I got, I got, I actually, it's just a funny thing, you know, talking about, you know, 
the beers that Bristol makes, very sort of steeped in tradition. Uh, Mike, you and I had a conversation on the patio, I would say four or five years ago maybe, uh, where I think you swore to me you wouldn't make a hazy IPA. <laughs> <laughs> and I think I have it on. Good. I think I have it on audio. Wow. Like I think I have an audio recording of it. Yeah, uh, and and that like, and that could be. I mean, what I try to say is, I never say never. And I think I think you had some caveats on there as but well. But right I, now, it's, I'm not that's my interested. Only thing of you. Yeah. <laughs> I love Wait, it. so never say never. That means there is chance for a fruity pebbles beer after all. I mean, I, yeah, I, I never say that's never. That's not what people want. Though. I try not to say. I try not to say. They know never. what people want. I love. I <laughs> love a good hazy. So. Okay, back to the hazy. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, the whole hazy craze, again, as I've said before, and we, we get knocked for this, but we, we're just, we don't follow, like, each and every trend. And, and we've, we've, and I'm so, we, we have avoided going down some real rabbit holes by doing that. And, and we can all, you know, glitter beer comes to mind. But, you know, there's a lot of them. But, oh, um, glitter beer is so good. Another though. favorite? It adds so, many, so much flavor to it. <laughs> <laughs> but but yeah, I was not. I wasn't. Uh, I mean, when you're a, a, a traditional brewer, oh, I know. I, you I, spend just... you spend an, an amazing amount of time trying to make sure that the beer does look beautiful and is clear. And so it's uh, that whole thing just turned everything everything upside down. And so um, as as a brewer, and and I also have my background is in engineering. It's it, it, that whole thing was just like this is just weird. I've worked so hard not to have haze in the beer, and now you want me to, to do it. Um, but that being said, we once we realized that this was something that people wanted, and and we had enough time to figure out how do we do it our way, and how do we do it with something that we're proud of. So don't get me wrong, I'm extremely proud of our hazy. I know I'm just giving um, you a hard time about it. But I'll also tell you that's not my favorite style. A hazy is like if I go into a, a brewery, that's generally not the first beer I'm going to try. Um, what is the first beer you try? They have a Pilsner. I'll try a Pilsner, and and that's because I love Pilsners, and I can also tell what the rest of the beers are going to taste like by tasting their Pilsner. Taste a clean beer first, right? That's I mean that's just a hard beer to make well, and so as a brewer, you know if if they can nail the Pilsner, then the rest are going to be fine. It's a lot harder to make than most of the other ones. That's but. a great rule of thumb. That's a good tip for for people like try the Pilsner first and then see how it goes for me it is yeah yeah, yeah. That's, um, actually, that's how i go uh about going to beer festivals these days is i will i one? think it might be gone i might have no, i might have cashed it okay. i might have cashed it no, uh, that's, but, that's all right. no if you you i go to things like collab fest up in denver uh which is coming up here at the end of uh in march oh, yeah. uh and i seek out the hard to brew beers versus the beers that just have random crazy ingredients in it right because you could throw tons of hops tons of adjuncts at something to fix, you know, mm. quote unquote, right. fix something. Right. Mm -hmm. But if you can't brew a clean, clear Kolsch or Pilsner, right? Yeah, Kolsch is there's other things example. that are wrong. Speaking of March <laughs> and events, something else important is coming back this year. Yeah, it um, is. Could you tell us about it, Amanda? Well, okay. it's our Firkenfest, which um, you've always been so great about Firkenfest. And been a big supporter of it. And yeah, I will, I'll, I'll say I'm a supporter, but I'm also... Uh, Thank you. I've been angry when it hasn't happened. So. <laughs> yeah, well, we know. Don't worry. I know. We're I know. aware. Courtney probably passes that We're out. aware of that. What, what happened? Um, let let, oh, let just, the readers just, in on this. No, I, I don't know. I... I he just makes himself known whether, you know, that... <laughs> I'm that, very hey, vocal about my displeasure. It, you know, but mm -hmm. I appreciate that because, I mean... An honest critic. Oh. So, so the quest, the really question is, is that um, 
you know, historically, Firkin has been uh, a gathering of uh, brewers around like the annual uh, like guild, guild meeting. meeting, yeah. And so, and well, I know that most of the guild stuff, like their membership, has gone online. There's less like actual in-person meetings. So that was part of that was part of the the impetus for it, it like not happening for well, a, a year things, or two. One of the things too was that coming out of COVID. I mean, breweries, as you guys know, I mean, you know, restaurants as well, but like, you know, we all suffered a lot. Everyone, Everyone was suffered, turned on their head. Obviously, everyone yeah. suffered, but manpower, um, people power, I should say. Yeah, we didn't um, think we could get people to come out right after There COVID. was a lot of the breweries. Like most people didn't, didn't even have, have a, they didn't have an event staff because there wasn't events for two let me, years. Let me back it up too. For someone who's watching who doesn't know, what is a Firkin? How does this work? How long, how old is this event? What should people expect this year? Give us the really quick 101, like, I don't know anything about beer. What are they talking about right now? Yeah, that's Good a point. great question. Um, <laughs> Sorry. Firkin is... Um, that's my job. <laughs> I represent the everyman. What this is as Matt word. doesn't know what this is, so he's asking. Yeah, like, <laughs> I don't even know what's a Firkin. The viewers will want to know. Yeah, no, the no. The actual I'm, yeah. word Firkin is an English uh, measurement for a style, uh, a, a particular size. style of cask. So it's a size measurement. So um, you had... And, and there's some great terms in the British vernacular. You know, you've got a hogshead and a firkin and a pin. And so um, the, the firkin is, a, is smaller than a regular U.S. keg, a half-barrel keg. Um, and so that kind of became the, the term is more than just the size of it. And so the idea, and we started it, do you remember the year we started it? Um, well, it's, um, I don't have my phone, but it's the 15th annual. It was like halfway through. Something like something that. Something like that. Yeah. I don't know, but that was so, something you you kind of started. Yeah. So, uh, well, one of the things, if you go to England and and you drink uh, traditional cask ale on the hand pump, which that's is generally pulled out warmer of beer for one, right? Yeah. Usually it's a little bit warmer. Um, it's pulled but you don't on care because it tastes so good. All right. The, all the carbonation. The, you know, there's no forced CO2 into it. Right. Um, and so. That's where I got into the, the whole firkin thing was to try to mimic this English style of making it. Mm -hmm. um, and so when it started, it was sort of about a pale ale with dry hops in the firkin and all of this stuff. But as craft brewers are, you know, as they do, they're like, wait, what do you mean we have this, this thing we can put beer in and it's got a bung in it and then we can put whatever else we want in there? And so then it just became a bung being the opening that's has yeah, a then it just became, hey, this is a free for all, which was awesome. I mean, I don't have any problem with that. I mean, I'm still a traditional cast guy. <laughs> right, right. But, but the creativity um, but, but, yeah, is so, cool. Well, like, really what's cool. some examples? It's probably like, the I only time you'll see Oreos in a beer right. in Bristol. Like, you get like, a yeah. coke, right. like, <laughs> yeah. like dried coconut. What are other things that people will do? Uh, what, what are common ones? Uh, really what, are, what, are, what have you been eating in Van Leeuwen uh, ice cream? Oh, the weird, 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 weird yeah, stuff. The, yeah. Anything, anything. You've, like you can imagine. macaroni and cheese. And yeah. Like it's going, it's going in beer. Well, it's not going to be mac and cheese. Well, well yeah. you never know. Don't it could don't, be? It don't could be. It yeah, it's yeah. possible. I don't, have you ever uh, seen uh, So you basically Why you had this idea to do this, and then you invited a bunch of friends over to do the same. Like other breweries come in and bring theirs, yeah. And the public then can walk around and try all these interesting beers. Yeah. Uh, I mean, and, and what's really cool about them? What's really cool something. about them is that these beers only exist in this single firkin. So whatever it is you've done to it is only in this firkin. That's it. So it's not a whole batch. It's not 500 gallons. It's not 1,000 gallons. It, so whatever you're tasting out of that cask, that firkin, is only going to be in that. Right. So that, that, and it's the same 
really with a traditional English ale too, but it also expanded to just be all kinds of different stuff. So, um, I mean, my per, my personal favorite is a great IPA, dry hopped in a, in a cask. I think mm. that's just wonderful. But um, but again, I mean, it's all over the board, and it's it showcases a brewer's sort of create creativity without having to commit to a full batch of something right. Really. Nutty. And then really quick too, what's the the date on it this year? Do you have that off March the top? 2nd. March 2nd. March 2nd. And Thank it's you. where is it this year? It's here? Here. Yeah. It's, okay. it's going to be in the gym this oh, yeah, year. Yeah, it's going to be in the okay. gym. And what time? Do we know the time? Early afternoon. Afternoon. But you know, okay. It's okay. on March 2nd. You want right. to just block Information is yeah. like, at Bristol's Facebook Bristol. or Insta. Um, yeah, there's or a Facebook event. Facebook or um, Facebook. And it it the VIP tickets are already sold out. It's it's We're trying to kind of, we've, we've made, it's a little bit of more of an intimate festival this year and the, the gym can only fit so many you know chris said no more festivals in the brew house <laughs> so it's that's well, one one of the reasons why we this particular to the one <laughs> this particular one is is a challenge because well, we did have yeah so to make a good firkin takes there's been a lot of education with other brewers about how to do. In fact, I I actually wrote a blog post on the Brewers Guild site to be like, hey, this is this is the way to do a firkin. But um, you know, because you get carbonation going in there, and there's all kinds of factors. And yeah, the, I think the last straw was when someone tapped a, a firkin and it shot up to the ceiling, which is 20, it kind of exploded twenty five and... feet and <laughs> sprayed beer all over. And we're just like, yeah, maybe not in the brewery. Uh, it's a lot of cleanup. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, a lot of cleaning. Um, I mean, but, I mean, historically, back over across the street at, at uh, on the Taylor oh, Street all, one, it was shoulder to shoulder. We're all crammed in the warehouse. Racks of uh, yeah, of uh, Firkins yeah. on the wall. Um, at that back in those days, I think all of the leftover beer got distilled down into like a white spirit. At some point, yeah, yeah. I think John Schneider might have uh, had had that up. That sounds, yeah. If you didn't know about that, then well, then I wouldn't say I didn't know about it. It Was not sanctioned because we are not licensed. Oh no, he. I think he was making parts cleaner. Is what it was. It wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't a distilled spirit for. Probably in his basement. Yeah, yeah. So that's Firkin. Is are there any other events coming up this year, 2024, for Bristol? Anything else big for your 30th? Whether that's, you know, monthly. Happy hours right. parties are you or doing a big anniversary party? We are yeah. doing a big what anniversary party. That's going to be June 15th, okay. um, noon to 5. Um, and, you know, we just, we kind of the idea, and we were sitting around brainstorming about it, and, and we were just like, what this needs to be is just this kind of backyard barbecue picnic kind of, let's just all enjoy some time together outside. Um, of course, you know, if it rains, we'll move it inside, um, as we did on, for our 25th, but, yeah. um, we're going to have live music. We're going to have games. We're going to have Josh and John's ice cream truck, which is always fun because cool. they started way back when also before us, of course, but, um, photo booth, um, any special beer releases that you'll there's gonna do? be two beer releases that day. There will, I think will be, and Mike can speak to this more than I can, but I think there'll be some other others throughout the year um, that are all going to be surprises. Yeah, we're going to we're going to do some stuff along the way um, but it's not like on a particular date. And yeah. during the during one the, of the in fact we're drinking the the Belgian styles now one of the ones that I want to do is one of the beers I love making that we haven't had it for a while is a, a Belgian triple that's within was in the same series. Okay. So that's probably 
that's in the works. Great time to tell us what are we drinking because I'm, I'm really. Oh, this, this is thing. a quad. But let me just really quick <laughs> say, this is this is even further about the 30th that. anniversary. Um, we're gonna do. Um, Mike and I are gonna bartend uh, that day for part of the day, and we're gonna do 94 cent beers part of the day, um, and cool. so just like little things like that. But okay. that's that's that event. We'll, we'll we will on both of our newsletters. We will give. A lot more information as Closer that as date. that comes yeah. up. Yeah, that's yeah. a long ways out for for even them to have specific information. Hey, mark your calendars right sure. now, people. <laughs> I do want to ask that about one specific beer that is a. It's a you know exactly <laughs> what it is now. Yes. I don't know what's coming. What, what I do you just you'll, laugh you'll, at? But you'll, you'll enjoy this. So okay. so I talked to the to the uh, to the brewer uh, that was working for you at the time who helped. Uh, I, I read that. I, 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 Idolize or idealize this beer. Um, it's been a big fan, fan favorite. I know you've had it behind the bar every once in a while uh, when you find cases randomly hidden in the brew house. Triple uh, X Warlock. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. It takes a lot to brew it. Is there any chance that maybe a 30th anniversary version might appear? Please. Uh, I can neither. Can I get on my knees and deny? Deny? <laughs> Wow. <laughs> Did you hear the begging in his voice, uh, though? Don't you feel bad? <laughs> well, if you don't do it, you're going to make Ryan cry. No, I love what a I, beer I would like fan to. you are. It's um, really fun. But I can't commit to it. It's it No, it's it's a huge beer. Yeah. Yeah. So so essentially, Matt, for, for you and for the viewers that, that maybe don't know, this is like a, a beer that was that was inspired by Sam Adams' Triple Bock, okay. which is this massive 18 20% alcohol beer naturally fermented. So not, like, not an ice box. They're not freezing it. They're not freeze distilling it. This is a naturally fermented, high alcohol beer, uh, and Bristol did it when Which Jason Yester was. I've seen difficult a bottle. I remember yep. that. Yeah, yeah. yeah what was the ABV on it? It was like 18, 18 and a half. Okay. Eighteen and a half yeah. uh, bottles. Now uh, I had a bottle a couple probably last year, I think, uh, and it has not aged great because it's a really huge beer. Okay, and with a lot of different. It's got maple syrup in it. Uh, it's a. It had a long uh, fermentation cycle where uh, Jason Yester, who used to own Trinity Brewing, uh, and then actually uh, worked at Josh and John's for a while uh, <laughs> as their production manager. No, he's at a he's at a, a company that does sod for uh, uh, golf courses through like mushroom and composting and things like that. Oh, cool. Uh, but he, I, I, I reached out and. and he gave me sort of the in and out and the, the details cool uh, on on what went into that because it's a it wasn't just right like yeah. a you know we're we're mashing in then we oh, throw the no. hops in then we ferment and then we package it it was it was a like a twenty four hour brew cycle babysitting they had to feed the fermentation over every couple hours with more yeast wow. and more sugar just to keep that fermentation going to get to that naturally. High ABV, and this is before. Trinity. And so, this so is when I when I ask it as a as a as a, are you doing it? It's more of a, a joke because it was such impossible. a well. It, it's like it, it was such a labor of of who you had as a brewer at the time, and Jason Yester as this yeah. meticulous uh, science nerd. Yeah, and yeah, it would. But take, I mean, I was heavily involved in that. As oh, I well, bet too. Meeting, yeah, meeting because uh, it it took two people to keep it going. It took yeah. everybody. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, there was some uh, my memories of early Bristol because I, I moved here in '97 as a student, and then um, you know I must have encountered it pretty quickly. It, uh, 
I worked at El Vicino at the time when I was in college. Oh, yeah. And yeah. so, you know, Tucker was brewing for us there. Tucker later brewed Skull and Bones series for you mm -hmm. guys, if I understand that mm -hmm. right. Yeah. Um, there's some history we could unpack. And again, this is more for the beer nerds than the average public. But um, <laughs> I am curious about, you know, you have done some departures like that. Like Skull and Bones was had to be done in the alley, right? Because you couldn't infect the, the main brew house. So, yeah, it, it is kind of funny to think about our history because on the one hand and, and it's just, this is just comes with the territory when you're the oldest or, or close to the oldest brewery and you're also the biggest elders elder states most, in the market <laughs> then you, you you sort of get passed off as oh are you not the new the, the shiny new toy or this thing and but when you look back in our history it is interesting i mean the skull and bones was happening in the early 2000s mm -hmm. when nobody was doing sour beers no um, Way ahead of it. I mean, our first IPA was in 1996. I mean, so interestingly, those well, were styles, traditional styles that it just happened to be that no one around here knew of them. I mean, they're still traditional. Yeah. But Americans hadn't had a sour, hadn't had an IPA, so it's a weird kind of situation. Like it's. Yeah. So we're not a, we're not afraid to push the limits, but it's just in a certain way. You know, these were these were really cool projects to do based on um, history. Well, what's cool yeah. to hear about this is like I don't think people realize how much you paved the way for what came after in this town. If you hadn't been walking up and down town, educating people, buying them beers, doing all these steps, yeah, I mean, it's happened in other cities too. So things would have eventually gotten here, but you built it from the inside. You didn't. This didn't come in from Denver. So many things trickle down from Denver in our culture here. Yeah, but yeah. You guys. You, you really were part did. of that forefront of the movement, yeah. bringing craft beer to everybody and, 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 people, and, yeah. and bringing it to popularity. It wasn't just like homebrewers in their in their. Yeah. No, in their you're exactly garage. right. There's a whole element of people who knew about these beers, but they were brewing them themselves because they were so into it. It's a but huge legacy. But the average legacy. person that would come in and yeah. I would talk to behind the counter, you know, they didn't. They didn't know anything. They were like, well, what kind of beers do you have? I was like, well, here you go. Let's uh, try some hops and some, you know. It was it was really cool, actually. It was probably, really probably cool a lot to of people be a part curve of balls. it. <laughs> yeah. Probably threw a lot of people some curveballs, too. Oh, absolutely. And but I, but I, I do ahead. think that, that um, and we don't stop to do this very often, but when, you, when we do stop to look back over the 30 years, I mean, I think that's something that we are proud of is, is sort of, doing our part to sort of create, I mean, our original business plan, one of the things that we wanted to do was we wanted to be the local brewery. I mean, we wanted to be really part of the community. And um, so I think, you know, looking back on it and going back to your very first question yeah. about the perspective changing, I mean, there's, there's, we had no idea that, that there'd be room for 30 plus breweries, 40 plus breweries, you know, that just wasn't in the cards at all. Um, but we still wanted to be associated with this, with this city and, and be part of this community. And I think, I think we have, and I, and I, I would argue that we still are, even though, you know, we get passed over a lot because we're not the newest thing. Right. And, sure. and that's, and that's fine. Well, but, can we pause but, on that too? Cause the community, you mentioned community, you have the community ale series and that's, you know, People love Vinatucci. There's the Shine Canyon Pinion Nut. Um, tell us about that. What's is, is that? That's I mean, those are that's your volunteering essentially, right? Those that that those profits go to these organizations. Yeah, that's a very direct give from from Bristol. 
How'd yeah. that start? Yeah, I think we've, uh, ever since our original business plan, that was another piece of it was, I mean, it kind of goes together, right? If, if we say we want to be the local brewery, we want the community to support us, then we need to, it's full circle. We can't just expect one and not do the other. And that's not the way we roll anyway. So that's always been a, a, a big part of what we do. And in the beginning, that was just, I mean, if you were here in, 94 to 98 um and you went to any nonprofit event that was serving beer it was most likely our beer and it was most likely one of us serving it um and we looked at that in two different ways one was like i said before we have to get people to try this beer but the other part was hey we want to be part of this and if we can't give a cash donation right which, yeah, which we, we didn't no have at the time <laughs> then okay we can give beer and increase their cash you know, mm-hmm. let's face it, if you're doing a silent auction, you, you got to get people lubed up a little bit. Right. So if, <laughs> right. if, our, if we can do something to increase their their benefit, then that's great. And uh, so uh, and then we got to a point in I don't even remember what year it was. We said, OK, let's. Um, and it was Michael Hannigan is your, your father that, that uh, I worked with on the first one. And, and we said, you know, let's let's figure out how we can how we can give cash, but let's create a beer that goes with a nonprofit that then those profits from that beer go back to that nonprofit. And, and it was, I mean, I'd never seen it done before, but it, I thought well, this, this could make some so sense. So that was Pike's Beat Community Foundation. And was that Vinatucci? That was the first? Vinatucci, that was yeah. when the Vinatucci first came into the well, Pike's you should, Beat Community Foundation. I think Foundation. you should mention that initial meeting that Michael called some people together and said, I mean, I'll let you well, tell it, not me, but... Oh, well, yeah, that was uh, I'm when... I'm the talker, tell. <laughs> <laughs> when, uh, when Nick and Bambi Venezucci, uh transferred the, the farm to the Pikes Peak Community Foundation, Michael was like, what do we what do, do we with do this? You know? I mean, we're, like, we're not farmers. This is part yeah, of my I mean, growing you, up. Yeah, yeah right. you, you know exactly. Why what didn't we have him on the show? Where but, is he? But, <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. We'll have but, yeah, but so. this, idea, this idea of taking the legacy of Nick and Bambi Venetucci, which was, as most everyone knows, the giving away pumpkins and the generosity that they showed, and sort of how do we, what do we do next? What's the next iteration of that? That was the impression I got. And so he, he actually just invited a bunch of people out to the farm, and, and he invited me, and I said, why, why are you inviting me? He said, I'm just, I'm just inviting, I think his words were, Creative people that have good ideas that are invested in the community. And I said, okay, I'll, I'll show up. Um, and so that was sort of the beginning of, of, as we were talking about, as he was looking at what the farm could be, it was clear that it was going to need funding. <laughs> and so this was a way that we could sort of get involved. So we created the Venetucci Pumpkin Ale, grew the pumpkins at the farm. I mean, that was a labor of love as well. I mean, we'd go pick them. Our employees, our, our kids spent those seasons picking pumpkins and um but it was really a great thing because what a lot of people lose sight of you know people think about the money that was generated by these beers and that went to the nonprofits. but i think equally as important is the exposure that a nonprofit gets i mean that was part of our concept was let's not just this isn't just about writing a check we you know there's other ways to do that but how do we get people in Colorado Springs to, to learn more about people that are doing great things. Does that make sense? I mean, yeah. like there's a lot of great things going on. How do we help promote that? Well, and I, Matt, I, and I, Matt and I experienced that 
firsthand with Indy Give because mm-hmm. you know the 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 yeah. all the, the black black Schwartz black beer that you yeah. the yeah. black yeah. lager you guys yeah. did for yeah. a long time yeah. the Give Give black lager yeah. Uh, yeah there was always this like at least for us you know working at the independent there was always this connection with Bristol where there was this this beer that was created for yeah. for Indy Give when when that was a part of that yeah, yeah. and. It really, it really helped sort of resonate. That, that. it's exposure for yeah. yeah. Well, and we liked the and, idea. And the Indie Give at the time was brand new. I mean, we started. I mean, we we did we were there in the first year doing it, and so yeah, it's a great way to. I mean, if you think about it, like, good way to expose is to put it on a beer label or well, or and, and at that point, that you know these community ales are for a specific nonprofit, yeah. and that Indie Give one was a big one because it yeah. it, it exposed it's- a bunch of people because they they sat in front of a you know a bunch of buckets where they could drop their token (laughs) in and they had to sort of figure out who they actually cared about yeah Mm -hmm. and so it it created you guys helped create a bunch of connections between just random community members and these nonprofits. yeah well and i like to call it beer philanthropy honestly because i feel like it's sort of this thing where beer can be more than just oh i'm gonna go have a beer and or i'm gonna go get drunk on beer or whatever it is but just like how easy is it for the average person to say, if I drink this beer, I'm actually giving back, you know? I mean, and it's us together. It's not just Bristol giving, writing a check or something. It's kind of this triad of the nonprofit, the customer who buys the beer, and, and Bristol who donates the money from the sale of the beer. And so we, it's, it's, it's all about those relationships and, and working on that together. So then, what's what's next for Bristol? I feel like you guys have like you you have you've succeeded. You've become that neighborhood brewery, that that local brewery. You've given back to the community in multitudes beyond probably any anyone's wildest dreams. You've got a lineup of stellar beers that are available throughout the state. Like, what's the what's that next chapter? Not really throughout the state, I wouldn't say. I mean, we really focus on the Pikes Peak region. Honestly. Well, but you're but, but you're available, available in Colorado. Yeah. yeah. But so um, the question is really is is what's next? And that's a great question. Um, we all know. And I'm not. Yeah. We're just. <laughs> we don't know. Sure I can. <laughs> we don't know. I love that. I think. I think part of part of the next step is to is to, you know, develop our team and to get people more involved and to. Um, you know, continue to, to bring the right people in and train them and, and, and that sort of thing to continue what we're doing. I mean, we all know that that any industry, but particularly this industry, is not stagnant. So, I mean, you, you can't say, oh, you can't check a box and go, okay, we're successful and we don't have to do anything else. Um, but I think um, for us, I mean, it's been a rough, this industry has, it's, it's been a rough go the last three or four years. And uh, so, um, you know, a lot of our projects are sort of internal that people won't necessarily see. We've got a major project going in the packaging hall right now to, to bring our canning in-house and, and reconfigure all of our packaging stuff just so we can be more efficient. Do you still have, have the old Italian bottler out there? Or? No, no. Okay. We got you knew it was Italian. Yeah. <laughs> that was the, that, the one at Tejon, yeah. Yeah. It was uh, over here for a while, too, I think. Yeah, the, oh, it was, yeah. yeah with the, uh, with the, uh, the um, owner's manual that was... In Italian, I've seen, I've like seen saying, it. Yeah. yeah, I was a big I mean, fan of the. Do you know anyone that speaks Italian? Because we gotta, we gotta figure this. <laughs> well, I liked out. the garage sales where you'd sell the low pour cases. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. With yeah. off the bottling yeah. line when yeah. they were just a little bit under. That's right. Like, great time to go shopping at yes. Bristol. Yeah. Load up on the low pours. So, so I guess the question about, like, what's next is really more like, you've been doing it for 30 years. What, like... What's the succession plan? Like, like yeah, Bristol's that, not going to just end at one point. That's where. How are you figuring out? Like, yeah. are your kids taking over? Like, <laughs> no. And, and when you when you say what's next, that's really a lot of what's on what's in our minds is sort of how do we keep this going, um, and how do we keep it part of the community, and how do we keep it local? Um, I don't know that our kids. Um, that's that it's, not may, fair. it's not fair to them. I'm sorry. That, I shouldn't have. I shouldn't have. Uh, no, no. But called I mean, them out. But, but, <laughs> no, no. That's no, all it, good. It, it has been we get asked that a lot. It actually. is an important it's, piece it's of, a, of yeah. our planning, though, because if if one of them was interested, we would want to facilitate that. They're all of three of them are. They could probably do a better job than I've done. Um, so I, I don't have. That's not an issue. But but I also know how hard of work it is. I mean how. Uh, the, the, just the the hours, the stress, and so if you don't love it, it's not the right business to be in. You have to love it, and I would do it over again in a heartbeat. I love it, and I have loved it, but I would not put that on one of my kids that didn't love it. You know what I'm saying? If they right. felt if they were doing it because they felt obligated or because they needed to, I just don't think they'd be successful. Right, uh, just because they have too, the last name. It's exactly, just too hard right. and that's the thing is because when we started it. It was like, you know, Mike, you know, Mike's like, I'll brew the beer and then I'll sell the beer and you can do the marketing and you can sell the beer behind the counter and growlers. And we'll, you know, it was our thing. It'll be great. Let's try it. Yeah. It wasn't their thing. It was our thing. It was in our 20s. This is what we wanted to do. They weren't around at that and point. They weren't though, around. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, thank God they weren't around. I mean, yeah. But like, so just because, you know. Obviously, just because it was our idea and something we both wanted to do doesn't mean that that they have to do it now, too. So, yeah. No, we'll it, it still may work that way. I mean, one of them may. may you um, never know. Uh, one of them is a really big beer drinker. One, one of them really is into really into it, beer. But, but that's, not that, what, that's not his career what, at this so point. One other question. When you mentioned limiting it to in-state and as successful as you've been, I have a feeling Bristol would have done well in other places. What made you want to stay local and not go big like some of these other breweries that just aim high for national, you know, national distribution or whatever. That sounds like a lot of work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I, I think there's multiple levels there. One is, and part of it's selfish. Part of it is I don't necessarily want to travel that much. Or mm -hmm. if I do travel, I want to do it for fun rather than work. So I don't necessarily want to go to all these other states and talk to their distributors and do all the stuff that's really required. I don't necessarily want to have our employees spread throughout. Because you, 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 don't, you don't just say, hey, we're going to start selling beer in Kentucky and send it. I mean, you have to have people on the street. You have to work with distributors. Um, it's and the, and the companies that have done it, like New Belgium is a great example. They've done it well, but they invested in that. I mean, they had they had staff everywhere. Um, Sam Adams, you know, all of those national brands. That just wasn't. Uh, we just, just never weren't interested in it. The other yeah. part, the other part of it, from a business perspective, is the further you get from home, the less your margin is. Uh, and then the probably the most important piece of the whole thing is it's also harder to control the quality of the beer the further away you get. It's, yeah. it's already hard enough to control the quality of the beer that's sitting in the cooler at a liquor store in Colorado Springs or, hmm. or in Fort Collins. But now all of a sudden, New Jersey? I mean, I, I don't even... That, just, that would be tough. So and the, we I, just decided 
early on, and again, I never say never, but early on, well, apparently I did you heard say never. First, like, uh, I did say never on the hazy, but... Um, <laughs> I don't believe a word he says. Yeah, I know. But, uh, but the, now we have it on video yeah. and audio. <laughs> but the idea also is that, I mean, we've only really always wanted to be just local and be part of this community and raise our kids here and put down roots here and all of that. And if we're in New Jersey, what, what does that even mean? You know, it doesn't even make sense to, to me. I mean, there's local breweries in New Jersey that should have their beer on the shelves there and be, you know, the whole thing about those local breweries that, that were around before Prohibition um, serving their local communities, part of their local communities. That's what we're really into, you know? So why would we sort of go to New Jersey? Well, it's a big thing that actually comes up like in, in craft beer and also in the food industry is this sort of regionality of, yeah. of food. Uh, yes. You know, here in College Springs, we keep getting all these chain restaurants that come into uh, town yes. that are yes. from Texas or from California. Yeah. We have In-N-Out. We have Whataburger. And what it does is it lessens the appeal of those those spots. Like I remember yeah. going to yes. San Diego or, or California and going, oh, I can have in and out. Right. Awesome. Right. Or, or going to, to Dallas or Fort Worth or uh, Austin and going, oh, Whataburger. Oh, this yeah. is so interesting. Yeah. And now it's just up on AirQuest. I'm like, oh, whatever. Yeah. And so on the beer side of things, keeping yourself to a specific geographic area, like there's there's other, other breweries. If you think about someone like uh, The Alchemist, Heavy Topper is now available in Lots of states, yeah. Where it used to be, you had to take a pilgrimage to yeah. to right. Vermont to drive yeah. to Stowe, well, Vermont. Like, and Pliny the Elder became what? more available. It was well, like, what did you open? Uh, okay. I was at your house. Uh, what was it, New Glarus? That, that's yeah, we yeah, opened. New, Glar New Glarus is actually one of the ones that still does a very yeah. similar thing there. to what you do. Oh, they great. keep all their things within yeah. Wisconsin. Yeah, right. it can and be so done. Can I just it, suggest one place though? One place has a personal tie for me. Not Alabama, <laughs> close. <laughs> Bristol, Virginia, Tennessee, where my mom grew up, born oh. and raised. Oh. You would be in Bristol, and people would be drinking Cheers Bristol. They might yeah. think you're local at that point. One That's a good place, point. just one place, one city. That could, that could be a place. Just yeah. go yeah. and get it to Bristol. That. You'll kill it there. Isn't I could there a see Bristol that. brewing in? Where is that Bristol brewing? There's, I don't know. There's other there's ones. Another, yeah, there's, there's another, another Bristol one. Bristol yeah. brewing and on the East Coast somewhere that we sort of have a handshake agreement, like to not sue each other. <laughs> yeah. You stay on your side of the Mississippi. We'll stay on ours. Don't and get us sued. Bristol, um, there's a Bristol brewing in England, obviously. Oh wow. Because there's okay. a Bristol England. Well, yeah. we could cease and desist them and get you into Tennessee, no problem. <laughs> I'm sure. Maybe I so love not, it. So I know not we've sure, been drinking. Actually. These these amazing Belgian and beers. they're gone. We really need to get some more beer. I know it happens. We're we're, we're gonna probably end the show. We're gonna go get more beer. But I want to ask Mike one thing, and this is one thing I, I uh, I've heard from other. Uh, I I got some some intel. Uh oh. Uh, <laughs> we saved the worst question this for last. Is the worst yeah. question. So if for you want to throw so beer now, in our faces and uh, leave, now's the time. We still I, have a whole interview <laughs> ahead of that. Just just this is more like uh, I heard a story that in a blind taste test. Between Yellow Kite and your Mexican lager from last summer, you picked Mexican lager. I do not remember this, but... Um, <laughs> Wait, what were the parameters like of this blind tasting, them. though? I don't remember that either, actually. Yeah. I, I, and so, that would be so, all over so the, that. So that, let me give a little... What the the goal? Goal? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's the goal of the yeah. tasting? So, so, so here's what I, what, what I had heard is that, that the Mexican lager was not as popular with you as... The, uh, oh, as the yellow yeah. kite well, was. Well, we my, know that, yeah, yeah. yes. Because yellow kite's basically one of your babies, because they're all your babies. Yeah, yeah. And that the brewers were trying to convince you to bring the Mexican lager on as a more 
Oh. Official. They probably tricked me, yeah. No, that's, that, that I, wouldn't surprise <laughs> me. I think, I think Chris tricked you, and that might have been a good thing. Uh, was that Chris you were talking about? <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely Chris. <laughs> Sorry, Chris. Do you need a <laughs> no, So, kidding. wait, uh, you, you gave Mike a question. Well, unless you want to answer that more. No, I don't. I don't I mean, remember it, but it doesn't yeah, surprise so, me. So, so really, like, like, what that what that leads what that leads to is that one of my last questions. Really, is so when it comes to Bristol adding beers, stopping making beers, like who is it? You that has that final say, or you do you get you do you empower your brewers to also help? Like I know you've had the Brewmaster series, uh, but for the for the flagships and for things that are that are core Bristol. Like, are you the the end end all yeah. be all? Well, ultimately, but that's just because I'm. It's business. Yeah, and and uh, I'm you the sign one the checks to pay the so bills. His and, name is on the door. But, <laughs> but um, but no, I mean, I, I do. Though. I we I think we collaborate a lot internally. So I don't necessarily just say no. Absolutely not. Um, so glitter's not out of the question then. <laughs> Well, I mean, we'd have to talk to Chris about this, if, uh, but I don't, I don't think he I don't he, think uh, Chris would be into glitter yeah. either. We don't, but, we don't have to tell um, him. So, no, I mean, I, I, Chris and I have worked together for a long time, and, and even Forrester uh, has been here for, for quite some time. Um, and, and, yeah, so we have, I mean, we have discussions about what, what we're going to do. I mean, certainly, I mean, this, the, the, the sad part of this business is we've discontinued beers that, I think are just awesome. I mean, <laughs> I, I think of that white IPA that we did. I mean, oh, one of great. my favorite beers that we had ever done. And I mean, it just it didn't sell. Just for whatever reason, it didn't resonate with people. And probably and the name I came up with. I don't know. You know, you I, you just, know both. it just broke my heart. I'm like, okay, can I have the last few cases at least? <laughs> you know, um, could that be part of a thirtieth though? A, 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 a Mike's favorite. It could be, uh, yeah. Not best-selling, but just Mike's favorite series of a, of a little limited yeah. run of, like, I love this. You guys yeah. didn't quite buy it, but maybe screw, try it again. Screw it's a, you. Yeah. These are it's my a few yeah, years exactly. later. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Screw you series. <laughs> so, I mean, I think I like to, that. to answer your question, ultimately, I guess I am, but I don't I don't like to consider myself as walking in saying, this is what we're going right, to do, this right. is what so we're going to do. The flip uh, side of that when is... Chris, like, like the reason Chris was trying to sell me on the, on the uh, Mexican, Mexican lager. lager is because that was something that Chris really wanted to do. Oh, yeah. And I wasn't going to stand in the way. And, and it was a good beer. I mean, you know, so... so um, I remember it. It was good. Yeah. <laughs> it was on tap. It's it coming so, back. I mean, and, you know, there are times when, like, the pub staff says, oh, we want to do a short run of, you know, coconut-flavored whatever. And, and I'd be like... Okay, I mean, if that's what you want to do, that's that's so, fine. So that's, that that leads my, it, my it, it sort happens. of my next question is like, with the the large uh, Browcon brew house you have right now, how easy is it to do small batch stuff? Um, do you it, have to run a whole batch of something and then like no, that thing's designed dial it out or that, that thing's designed to 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 do some smaller batches. In fact, Chris and I have just been working on even making even doing batches smaller than it's designed for. Um, so we have some flexibility there. Ultimately, it'd be nice to have a little, um, little pilot system. Little pilot system, that we but that's that's play around the with, only but that's the only brew system here. You don't yeah, have a pilot. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but that being said, I mean, when you're talking about adjuncts and doing stuff like that, you can you can take you, you take some beer off and right. do something. Right. You know, so we we like do the have some warlock that we did. Do yeah. have some. We do have some flexibility or barrel aging or you know some of that stuff. Um, so we do have that flexibility um, and and. I don't, 
it's not my intention to, to define everything that we do, but it is, it is I think, my job and, and Amanda's as well from a branding perspective to sort of kind of at least do it within the framework of what we stand for. Right, it needs to match Bristol. We can't yeah, be anything than, but ourselves. And that yeah. is one thing from the very beginning. We've just always been ourselves. I mean, how can you be anything else, right? But all the things that felt important to us and all the things that seem to kind of just make sense to us in our brains is what we've been doing all along. You know, so what else can you do? <laughs> Be yourself. That's exactly be Bristol. I mean, to a fault, like that's how you are. Like, like that's and that may be why people like are like, ah, oh, Bristol. Yeah. Like, but it's like, <laughs> yeah. it's like, oh, they're not doing a cheesecake stout this year. I'm like, oh well, yeah. well and that's fine. I but mean, also somebody else should, will. But also, should they? Yeah. Like, like at this point, like if you came out with some like cheesecake glitter stout, uh, someone <laughs> might be like, all right, that's probably got poison. What is I'm going on? Right. Yeah. So they don't yeah. want me to actually have that. Yeah. Is, yeah, there, is yeah, there something we haven't fun. asked you yet tonight that you want us to tell the viewers, tell the listeners, anything we didn't cover about the business, anything else you want to say? There's one thing that, that I have, and, and uh, we would have gotten to it, I'm sure, because it's a big part of what we've done. But when, when we start looking back over 30 years, um, I think that one of the things that that we're really proud of and that were, it was an, a unique opportunity for us was to be able to do this project, to be, to be able to take this old school and to create what we've created here. And, and uh, somebody brought up the word legacy. I'm not sure I'm ready for legacy yet, but... Um, <laughs> too, uh, too late. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, like, <laughs> the succession but, plan but, but, years but, I would, but I would like to think that this project would be part of that when that happens. Um, because I do think that if you look back, and you guys were in town at that point, um, you know, 2012, 2013, um, this was a this was a nutty project. I mean, Joe and I, I mean, we're, we're nutty people, and Amanda. Um, I mean, Joe's but, the nuttiest. Joe, Joe, Joe Joe's nuttier than nutty. I am. But, no, totally. Listen <laughs> to episode two for more on that. But we yeah. love him yeah. so much because he is yeah. so creative. No, I, uh, my s Bryce Crawford E uh, Bryce and Edie Crawford and I wrote co-wrote the cover story for that. So I was oh, very I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. intimately at, uh, yeah. in touch with you all during that period. Yeah. And we had to divide it between three reporters because it was too big for one of us to do. It was like, <laughs> uh, let's just break this up. You know, you talk to Mike, you talk to Joe, whatever. <laughs> and then we're like, how does this work again? There's a line down the middle and the liquor license, all oh, this stuff. But oh, it was, was so ambitious rough. and so it's different. It's so much easier now, And though. what's weird too, for us at the time, we weren't conceiving of it as a food hall. We didn't think of it that way. Because then we That's waited. Not like, what it was at first. Well, it wasn't. Yeah, yeah but like yeah. then we like we had Quadio open, we got the well or whatever. Yeah. Um, and now in retrospect, it's like wait a minute, this was sort of the OG food hall when you really get down to it, because it <laughs> but was. We didn't know to. We didn't yeah, know we didn't know what to call was, it that. Yeah. It was like it happened in real time. Yeah. So in retrospect, I want to give you that title, the OG food hall, <laughs> and the second oldest continuous brewery in Springs. So uh, back to that word legacy. Well, the one thing <laughs> I wanted to say is that. And I, the thing about th that I love about the two of you. Oh, stop! You've just had beer. Yeah, no, we're not, just no, no. enough. All right, we'll just cut it off, it. everybody. I know Amanda's this is getting, 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 getting included. This won't be edited out. No, it won't no. be. We don't edit anything. We're too lazy for that, and too busy. It's all That's going not in. Edit anything out of this. I put no. a, like a, a mess up in the first <laughs> one. Yeah. It's done. No, but what I love about the two of you, besides that, you were just like hustling and making making it work. What you guys are doing, but. It's obvious that you guys really love this community, you know? I mean, you, 
you've traveled, you know what's going on outside of here, but you're not one of those people that's like, ah, Colorado Springs, blah, 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 whatever. Oh, you know, I should be in Denver or Boulder or Fort Collins. Colorado Springs is a great town, and you guys are in the thick of it, and you really are supporting what's going on here, and I really love that. And to me, as far as how that relates to Bristol, is that I just am nothing but grateful for how we were originally received here when we started. And it wasn't all that long after all of that proposition, what was the number? I don't remember, but the, the bad kind of press Two. that Colorado yeah, Springs had. Yeah. And people saying, oh, you know, Colorado Springs, why, do you, why would you start a brewery there, you know? We have been received so wonderfully from the very beginning, people seeking us out. And, and I'd answer the phone at the original brewery and it'd be like, where are you? I can't find you, but I hear you're brewing craft beer. And, you know, I mean, just people coming out to support what we were doing. And we've received nothing but support for so many years. And this is just a great place to live and uh, have a, a business and to just to be and to try to do what we can to make it even better and work with all the people that are here that also love it. So, you know, I appreciate all that's going on in Colorado Springs, but also what you guys are doing too. I mean, it's, it's worthy of our esteem. Well, well I, I would agree with that. I remember uh, back in the day when people used to badmouth, and maybe they still do, I don't know, I don't listen to them, but we had some friends and they're like, oh, nothing happens in Colorado Springs. And I said, wait a minute. Are you saying that nothing happens in Colorado Springs? Are you saying you're not doing anything in Colorado Springs? Because you can be part of the solution, or you can just bitch about it. And, yeah. and that's where we took the attitude was, we're here. Let's do something. Let's make it happen. Incidentally, they moved to Fort Collins and probably had the same problem there. But, <laughs> um, but anyway, yeah, I, we appreciate what you guys do to kind of keep things rolling. So. Well, well, I mean, part of the reason we've, like, enjoyed being part of the Springs is because of businesses like yours that give a shit about the springs. I mean, pardon my French, but like that's like there's a lot of businesses that that come and go, but you guys are you're like we're 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 putting roots down here. We are we are invested in the community. We're invested in this town for the town it is, not for the town we want it to be. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. And exactly. that I think is the hardest part is that, you know, there's a lot of these people that are, you know, people are excited about In and Out, Whataburger, even yeah. Illegal Pete's from Boulder is yeah. on on Taylor. People are yeah. super excited about it. But like be excited about what we have yeah. Yeah. here locally, organically. Yeah, and the people that yeah, are doing that great things here. I mean, that's one of the things that, that when we started Karma Hour it was all about let's shed light on some of these great nonprofits that are doing some great things in town. Um, we're all in there trying to make it just great, and there's a lot of a lot of um, a lot of great material to work with. It's, it's a, this is a great town. Yeah. So, so to so to sort of wrap the whole episode up, but also give a little bit of a of a, a final piece. Where do you see Bristol going in the next 10 years? You're at 30 years. If we sat down with you in 10 years, because we're going to be here, and you're going to be <laughs> we're here. We're going to be dead. No, you won't be. <laughs> no, no, no. We're all going to be here in 10 years. But what, what's going to be the storyline for Bristol over the next 10 years? Yeah, that's a great question, because things – and it seems like COVID even just accelerated things, but things change so fast. It's hard to really know – but I think that ultimately um, 
what I would hope is consistent is that we're still here, number one, and, and that we're still following the vision that we had, which is to build community, create quality beer, to be part of this community. And so what that really looks like, I don't, I'm not sure. Um, but, but that will always be sort of the core piece of it. Um, and, and so I'm kind of as interested as you are to be what, what, what conversation <laughs> will that be, be in for, 10 years. For, for those of you watching right now, like, like, Take a snapshot right now, yeah. and then we'll see you in 10 years. <laughs> exactly. Well, I'd like to I just mean, say, please don't die. Be here in 10 years, Amanda. And uh, also, thank you for your kind words. I grabbed this because I was like, I'm not crying. You're crying. I was just going to do a little over there. dab or two. Uh, but, um, we have it on camera. Sorry. But you guys yeah. are a rare breed. You well, really are. I'm guilty of Bristol is such a stalwart in town. I'm guilty of sometimes going so long without returning because it's like oh it's always there it's uh, it's like you know yeah. it's gonna be good it's, the yeah. you know it's gonna be quality thing yeah. and like yep. i'm always out oh i'll try the new thing or this open or whatever and i think that says something too about on the consumer side like you are so ever present here you guys are on almost all the taps beehive is so popular lab won you know the indie best of awards for so many years in a row it was just annoying we're on the like yeah. oh it's bristol again <laughs> of course it's bristol again right like yeah. you're too good it's like you're already gonna be on that best of list there's no question so I don't know. For me, it's really nice to be here tonight to reflect on, you know, interviewing you, what, 10, 12 years ago about this opening, before that about right. some other story, right. being here and watching this place take shape. I was in this building before it opened, you know, walking it with you. Um, just the all that's happened, again, it's been 30 years. We've only been a part of that with you for, say, half of that or something, a little longer, but... Uh, I don't know if we still had beer in our glasses, I would just toast you to, Sorry, you know, the, the amazing 30 years you've had. Congratulations. It's well, thank huge. You. Thank you. And, thank uh, you so much. We're honored to have you on the show. Is there anything else? We're honored to be able to ask. This is awesome. And, and whatever the future and, I mean, we holds. We could go on for another two hours, so let's do it again sometime. Like, that's that's the hardest part. We're always like yeah, looking at each other. We're like, done? we're like, we're like, we're done. Like I said, we'll still be here. We'll do this again. All right, fair. We'll do it again. Yeah, let's 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 reconvene around the anniversary. Maybe even.